Phone's ringing. Do not get that. Uh, aren't you gonna get that? No, and neither are you. Just let the machine get it. Why? Who's calling? Don't you recognize that number? Look at the caller ID. Who do you think is calling? You have reached the Sacred Cows podcast answering machine. Please leave a message after the Wilhelm scream. Unless this is George, then don't bother. Uh, hi, Mike and Pete. It's George. Oh, God damn it. How y'all doing? See, if you had it's your way, long, we'd be stuck talking to him right now. Anyway, I got myself on the Twitter now, and, uh, I saw that How does this guy even have our number, anyway? Future series? Um, right now, and it got me thinking. Uh, so I wasn't involved in the Back to the Future. Uh, sadly, I wanted in, but, uh, Stephen and Robert cut me out on that one. Yeah, that's why it doesn't but suck. Thinking, we need to know, put a stop to I this. With Steven on Indian Who wants to do it, and, though? Uh, I talked to him last time. Couldn't put down do the phone for over an hour. Well, I sure as hell don't want to. Hey, guys, what's up? George is leaving us a lengthy and, message trying you know, to get us just, to do this just, Indiana uh, Jones movies next. One of us needs to pick uh, up and tell him really that's not going to happen. You know I'm the, just saying it's your turn. Uh, perhaps I could be of with, some uh, assistance. Uh, Let me talk to the guy. I, I well, uh, really, all right, really if you feel, want to. Really but don't promise him anything. And, uh, but you don't have to be nice. Oh, you don't have to worry about that. All right, listen to me, you motherfucker. Oh, hi, guys. Uh... You are there. Shut up, you goddamn blowhard. Hey, thanks a lot for ruining another one for us. You think Pete and Mike wouldn't love to do Indiana Jones? Of course they would. But thanks to the fact that your sorry name is associated with it, it's off the fucking list. No Indy, no Short Round, no Marion, no Poison Date Eating Fucking Monkey, no nothing. They've all got the smell of your shit all over them. Mark my words, Sacred Cow will do the fucking Tomb Raider movies before they ever do Indiana Jones. I mean, um... That's cool if you guys want to do Willow first. God damn it, Willow was yours too? No! no! In a world where the human race has nearly unlimited access to all forms of media, mankind faces its greatest enemy. A looming threat. Can you look at that? What is that? A paralyzing choice. You have eight choices. Choose incorrectly, and I cannot be held responsible for your suffering. Is the next movie in my queue good or bad? Hey, do you guys want to watch Geely? A war that threatens our very existence. We have come to take over your world. And it will be fought over. Cows. Uh, one podcast dares to make sense of it all. So you don't have to. This is the Sacred Cows Podcast. And now welcome... Your hosts. Hi, I'm Pete. Hi, I'm Mike. And special guest. Hey, everybody, I'm Josh. Thanks, Thanks disembodied, disembodied voice guy. guy. Say, disembodied voice bro. <clears throat>
Say, disembodied voice, bro. Answer the man. What? You mean me? Yeah, you. Say, disembodied voice, bro. Now that How you, did uh... you even know I was here? Well, I don't know. Maybe it was your commanding presence or something. Can we just get on with the joke? Sorry. Go ahead. Say, disembodied voice, bro. Yes? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you said disembodied voice guy that time. You're stealing my thunder, brother. Uh, sorry. Uh, honest mistake. Oh, and I suppose it was an honest mistake that you were always overshadowing me my whole life, too. No, that's because you were always a meek little pissant, and you still are. Only because you've always been holding me back. You get insane with jealousy anytime anyone pays me the slightest bit of attention. Not that that's ever happened. Well, you know what? Everyone would be lining up to talk to me instead if they knew what a fake posturing sack of shit you are. I'm going to give you a chance to shut the hell up before some you He's say to wet something. the bed. That's right, big tough disembodied voice guy used to wet <gasps> the bed. And that was only a couple millennia ago. <laughs> you son of a... Bedwetter! Look at the bedwetter! I don't have to take this. I used to gun run for the Gipper! Oh sure, just run away whenever your out of control ego is threatened. Well, you won't, you won't get away that easy, bedwetter. Does anybody know what the fuck just happened? Welcome to the Sacred Cows Podcast. Today we're going to talk about the movie Back to the Future 3. But first, how's it going, Pete? Josh? Yeah, you know. I'm tipsy. He's tipsy, I'm tip-top. Uh, what about you, Mike? I'm trying a new beer, so I think I'm doing just fine. Uh, we're doing the Back to the Future trilogy, and if you're just coming in for Back to the Future 3, boy, have you missed some doozies of episodes. Yeah, don't do that. Go back. Go back to the Back to the Future 1 and uh, start where you're supposed to. Yeah, the, the way that we're going to do this is uh, we're going to talk a little bit about our personal histories with the movie, the viewing experience, the movie history, and uh, finally, we're going to spoil the heck out of the movie. Mm, so spoily. Yeah, let's get right to let's it. Let's get spoily. Let's talk about the history of Back to the Future 3 to start with. Okay, well, Back to the Future 3, you might notice it's got three at the end of the title. That's because there were two more before it, two very profitable movies before it. Uh, the fuck you say? Indeed. In fact, number one was so profitable that they went ahead and made two and three at the same time, basically. Actually, they made two, followed by a three-week break, and then they made three, so they knew that uh, they knew that a full trilogy was in the works right away. I feel like you've been waiting two episodes to do that joke. Well, of course. <laughs> I'm playing the long game, baby. Yeah, the, the first thing that's um, noticeable about Back to the Future 3 is it's not a movie that takes place in any sort of modern era. It is a cowboy movie. In my research, uh, I learned that they weren't able to use the sets for, for either of the other two movies because they had to go to a western, so they actually filmed out in the desert. And did you know what the genesis of the Western setting was? No, Actually, I didn't. At the beginning of the first movie, when they were in talks about filming it, they asked Michael J. Fox, so what time period would you like to go back to? And he's like, oh, cowboys, man, I'd love to meet some cowboys and run away from Indians and that kind of thing, you know, far out heavy. <laughs> <laughs> and so they're like, well, we don't, you know, usually give the actors what they want in the first movie, but they, they came back around to it for the third one. Hmm. Interesting to note was that the filming had to be halted a couple of times. One time, Michael J. Fox's father uh, died. And another time when Michael J. Fox's uh, son, I think, was born. So the great circle of life. 
you know, I didn't know this, but, um, you know, just doing the math, I didn't realize that uh, uh, Michael J. Fox at this time was 29 years old, still playing 16-year-old Marty McFly. Just because he is a tiny little elf of a man. Yeah. He's, he's like a little Keebler elf. <laughs> he's starting to show his age a little bit, in my opinion, but, uh, you know, you're going to have that. Did you guys uh, uh, know that parts two and three were filmed simultaneously? After reading about it, I did know, not, yes. <laughs> It's a little strange because really the two movies couldn't be, I mean, they're quite different. It's apart from the mm-hmm. last couple of minute setup of the la- of the second movie setting up the third movie, they're really not related in any way. So they, they wouldn't have necessarily had to have been filmed in that, that short time frame. The, the themes of one and two are, are very different than three. I mean, uh, uh, Zemeckis said that when they were conceiving of, of part three, uh, one and two were very much like commentaries on materialism, and uh, you can really see that in part two, you know, like because it's like a showcase of products and stuff, especially in the future era. And, and part one is sort of like, uh, you know, it's talking about them being successful, but like financially successful. You know, George McFly, they go from being like uh, poor, whatever they are, to being like everybody in the family is financially successful. Whereas part three is sort of like we're getting Doc. Uh, into relationships we're getting um, Marty back to his girl um, you know and and to grow up in in some things that problems he had and we're not going to go into all of that now but um, it just very much came from that uh, angle with the way Zemeckis was writing it and part of it is the change of setting yes they really left the recognizable modern era for this one and you know it it kind of felt like you know they may as well have just gone back to the Roman Empire at that point you know see how uh you know, Cassius Tannen has been mercilessly picking on <laughs> Julius McFly. That kind of thing. Hark, McFly! <laughs> I bite my thumb at you, sir. I also, I also wax my chariot. I also personally liked and and uh, appreciated that a lot of this um, is uh, a tribute to old westerns. So when they, when Michael J. Fox said he wanted to be in a western, they really like really took that to heart. And we can we'll go into more of that later. It's just the the uh, you know some actors and things that we'll mention, and some some other things uh, are related to that. You know, I think one of the reasons that they went to a, a you know another good reason for them to go to the to the western setting is at this point they're dealing with kind of an '80s expiration date. The first one came out in 1985. This one was, you know, being released in 1990. It's no longer the 80s. And at this point, the, the, the 80s were kind of like, oh, that previous weird decade, you know. That's very true. Uh, right. And so I, I don't think that they could, uh, you know, stick around much uh, with, the, with the whole 80s stuff without actually making the movie seem dated the moment that it came out. That's true, because they do continue to talk about 1985 as though it is the present. In, in this right. movie, present day means 1985. To them, right. To them, yes. right. Even though it's five years later. <laughs> hey, five <laughs> years can make a lot right. of difference, especially no in the shit. 80s. Yeah, there's a lot of timey-wimey going Quite. on here. It's very wibbly-wobbly. <laughs> hey, I get it. That's Doctor Who, right? Yeah. <laughs> Damn right. Well, and there's there's some other things, some other um, references in the movie. Um, they talked about Doc's um, past in the movie, uh, that he comes from the Von Browns, being the Von Browns are the ones who invented really modern rocketry. It was a German scientist 
for the Nazis. Um, but Werner von Braun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's our Nazi now. So they're they're trying to tie Doc's um, life to um, more of a reality and things like that. Right. Well, they're making him more you know three dimensional than just crazy mad scientist. Right, and there's references to the Wizard of Oz, the way that uh, Doc is dressed at the end, and, and things like that too. So it's sort of a, it's kind of a love letter to uh, all of the older style Classic of movies, cinema. Right. especially you know. And they, this was one thing that was um, sort of fought over, but it was the Universal Studios 75th anniversary, and this was when Universal Studios introduced sort of the 75th anniversary logo for this movie, and. Um, uh, Zemeckis actually wanted to use the original 1980s Universal Studios logo so that it had continuity between the three movies. Um, but Universal argued um, and won, you know, that they wanted to use the 75th anniversary thing because this had enough references to older movie material that it sort of fit with the theme of the movie uh, that we're talking about, you know, the different time periods. And so they thought it was the good one to introduce because of that reason. Plus, sorry, studio always wins. Well, yeah, yeah that, that too. Um, that's the story Unless, I just told is the one that the Universal Studio executives had before he, you know, shed a single tear and wiped it with a napkin right. and a hundred dollar bill. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to say they used that intro. Uh, well, this is the first one they used that with, right? And they used it all the way until like 1997. Yeah, they after that year, the 90, they just took the 75th anniversary. Uh, tag off on the top line but after uh, yeah the rest of it was all the same i took notes too <laughs> <laughs> yeah some this by the this time of course um back to the future was such a hit we were sort of starting the whole period where fans would be you know trying to figure out where movies are being shot so they can sort of get a glimpse of the movie being made and this was one of the very first um, movies besides the star wars trilogy that actually ended up having a working title that wasn't really anything to do with the movie they ended up um calling the movie just three Three. under the the that working title to get people to stay away from the set and apparently it worked well probably because there was no internet for them to look that fact up right kind of thing yeah and nowadays it would never fly especially that they're like which which three is that I heard on the Usenet group that it was Back to the Future 3. <laughs> uh, the the part of the mayor of Hill Valley who basically uh, just sort of starts the, the festival in the movie was originally offered to Ronald Reagan. No Being way. that he was done being president and he was a really big fan of the movie. And apparently he actually considered it, but due to his health concerns at the oh, time, sure. he turned it down. So it would have been very different to have an ex-president in the movie. Yeah. No kidding. He was balls deep in some jelly beans or something by this point. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. Kind of wondering where he was, I'm sure, a lot of the time. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't too long after that, I suppose. Yeah. So, and again, we have Jeffrey Weissman um, notably portraying George McFly in the one scene that he Faking appears in. it for yeah. a split second. Yeah. Really far from the from the camera, so that way we can't tell. Well, you know, back on the whole Crispin Glover thing, initially, Seamus McFly was supposed to be played by Crispin Glover. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah? I think that would have been pretty, pretty awesome. I mean, yeah, it's cool to see uh, Michael J. Fox on screen with Michael J. Fox. A lot. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot. And, very well uh, and you know, the, the obvious uh, kind of handoff, you know, stuff that was happening in, in, in that scene. But I don't know. I, I would have loved to see uh, a Western version of 
creepy George McFly. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I think so. He would have been plugged at an early age. Well, it would have been nice, too, just knowing that the, the way that history rolled out with this movie, well, this movie series, that, you know, Crispin Glover was sort of, like, cast off and, mm, you know, the bad blood between them. Yeah. Over a little money when obviously there was enough to go around. I mean, obviously <laughs> yeah. it wasn't very likely to happen, but it would have been fun. Yeah. For sure. Uh, it's worth noting that, uh, well, Tom Wilson is back in this movie playing his ancestor, Buford Tannen. And it sounds like he learned a lot of the stunts himself because he's just kind of a hands-on, down-to-earth kind of guy. Lots of horseback riding, lassoing. Uh, there's some scenes with him doing some fancy gun work uh, before he, you know, like twirls it and puts it in his holster. I mean, he, he, he just gets into his roles so completely. I, I don't know if he's a method actor or not, but... My God, does he chew scenery in this film? He's yeah. incredibly insane. I, I felt like uh, this was my favorite of all of his roles in this series. I mean, it's so different from from Biff and uh, from Griff, uh, but yet it's still, you know, it's really believable, honestly. You feel like they're related, and you can definitely see where the next generation learned from the previous. <laughs> Right, or didn't because they still can't get their sayings right. <laughs> yes, shoot you down like a duck. <laughs> it, it's it's dog Buford. His idiot, uh, his idiot companions are still smarter than he is. Oh well, and you can yes. tell at least uh, he definitely grew the the whole facial hair thing. You know, just for this too. I mean, he he definitely got into it. Mm-hmm. It was fun. Well, did you know that Michael J. Fox almost died during this no one? No kidding. What's up with that? He totes did. No, uh, the scene where Mad Dog Cannon is, uh, he roped him and dragged him through the streets and then hung him at the courthouse. Well, that doesn't uh, sound dangerous. Yeah, no, they, he, Michael J. Fox actually got hung. It was, you know, supposed to be rigged up a certain way so that it would be safe, but he actually went unconscious and nearly died. Oh, wow. That, maybe that's why it looks so believable when. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Somebody call Eric Stoltz back, please. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's talk about our own individual experience with this particular movie. So, uh, who's going to go first with that? I think Josh uh, should go first this time, since you said it's your favorite of the three. It is. I can do that. Uh, I don't think I saw it in the theater. I think my first recollection is uh, I was, gosh, probably in the fourth grade, something like that, and uh, going over to a, a, a girlie's house that I had a crush on, a young girl my same age, and uh, camping out on her couch and watching the movie. How much did you actually watch it? Dude, I was like nine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, afterwards they were chasing each other on the playground. That's a nine-year-old thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> She's like, do you want to come over and watch Back to the Future? Fuck yeah, I do. <laughs> My mom made cookies. <laughs> <laughs> I pooped my pants once. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. It's our secret. <laughs> okay. Uh, how about you, Pete? Well, I remember watching, like I said in past episodes, the one, two, and three always being out at the same time. So this would have been one of the trilogy that I would watch. I don't think that I ever, like, just wanted to watch this one on its own, even though this one seems like it's maybe meant to be the more family-friendly of the three. I I guess, I don't know, I was one of those perhaps strange people who always liked two better, so I watched one and two a lot, and 
Maybe this one a little bit less. That is because you are a fart. Well, that is a matter of opinion, sir. No, he's right. You're a fart. <laughs> it, is, it, it is a very well-accepted p- opinion, but... Widespread. Mm-hmm. Widespread, yes. Strength in numbers on that one. But that's that's how it was for me. How about you, Mike? My experience with this came with uh, probably uh, the VHS I remember watching one and two. Uh, one was on HBO for sure. Two, I think I watched on HBO. But I think by the time three came out, we ended up. Uh, I think we uh, talked about this on the first episode. The the McDonald's VHS deal or whatever it was. I nice. I don't remember. But yeah, I'm pretty sure that's uh, what he said. But man, the toys were so much better with those Happy Meals back then, right? <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't Happy Meals. It was something else. But the way that my family watched this movie, and we we loved these movies. We always watched them together. We always watch them one, two, three, one, two, three. So I think every time I watch these movies, I ended up doing, I mean, even if it wasn't the same day, it was always like, I had just watched the second one, so now I'm watching the third one. And it was just the way we did it. Like a marathon? Yeah, yeah, exactly. We'd like, yeah, we'd either do it all on a Saturday or, or one day, next day, next day. Whew. Remember when movies were short enough you could do that? Try <laughs> yeah. doing that with Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I was about to say, I, I used to, uh, my ex-wife and I used to do that with Lord of the Rings probably about three times a year. Extended or Just, theatrical? Uh, extended. Damn! Duh. Yeah, well, I don't fuck around, son. Dude, I don't know. Halfway through Two Towers, I'm like, yeah, totally not putting in Return of the King after this, but... <laughs> but Legolas... <laughs> but he's like so handsome that. <laughs> that man is beautiful i told you that in confidence <laughs> all right well so let's go around and talk about our individual watching experiences for this one uh, again let's start with josh just to keep it symmetry you got it uh well i own it on blu-ray and yeah. well we uh we recorded the back to the future 2 episode and I watched Back to the Future 3 immediately afterwards with my children and have watched it twice since then. So obviously I think it's a terrible what movie. What a diehard. Jesus. No spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> They'll just be trying to interpret his remarks the entire rest of the episode. What? Why? Where? Yeah. Is he Because I keep everything so scent? vague. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, what about you, Pete? Uh, well, I watched this movie once again as a YouTube rental, and no problems this time. You just have to be smarter than the YouTube. I'm. Yay. Yeah. I finally got it after the third try. Uh, maybe, I thought maybe this was a bit of a mistake, but last night my wife and I watched an actual classic Western. It was The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, John Wayne, Jimmy Stewart, you know, back in the okay, day. Yeah, um, and I thought, well, this is just going to make Back to the Future 3 look really freaking stupid. But, um, no, it, uh, it plays it pretty true to the, uh, the... The pastiche, the genre of uh, Western films, I think, despite what? the fact that he's wearing Nikes through the whole thing, and there's a you know a steam powered ice maker and all. John that. Wayne was wearing Nikes through the whole thing. Oh geez, maybe I should have been more clear. No, <laughs> no, that's not what I meant. But uh, but yeah, so I watched the movie during my son's nap time, and everything went just fine, and so I was pleasantly surprised. All right, well, uh, yeah, my viewing. Um, we're in the middle of a, a re. Well, a finishing up of a room. So uh, in order to watch it in my quiet uh, uh, movie room, I actually had to, to clean the room up, uh, sawdust, uncover the TV, etc., uh, etc. Et Day so, in the life. Yeah, but, uh, you know, it ended up being a pretty good watch. Uh, sat down, had a beer, uh, watched it, took some notes. No interruptions. So, yeah, not as much of a 
story as you guys. And obviously, I haven't watched it three times like Josh, so I just I don't have the dedication, apparently. I might have watched it three times total now. I'm not sure. I go hard. <laughs> With that, then, uh, we are going to get to the major spoiler section. And now we've come to everyone's favorite part of the podcast, the part where we spoil the hell out of the movie. And in order to do that, we're going to have to make sure that you, in fact, watch the movie. So if you haven't watched Back to the Future 3, pause, go watch the movie, and then come back when you're done. Are you still there? Great. Now we assumed you watched the movie, and we can start spoiling it. So I don't, I don't think that one guy did. Go! Oh. And maybe they traveled okay. back into time after doing it instead of pausing Right, it. Scott! Okay. Oh, my brain. Just trying to cover all possibilities. All right. Well, too bad if they didn't uh, go watch the movie. We're going to spoil it. Anyway, last time what we did, because we couldn't decide who was going to do the elevator pitch of the movie, was we had Josh roll a D6. So, Josh, can you uh, do that for us the second time again? Oh, Have yeah. Have you got any uh, D6s over there? It's it's right here. Dude, I keep them on me. I don't know. Right it's, on. That's a thing I do. All right. I will be one and two. Mike will be three and four. And Pete will be five and six. Sweet. Oh, shit. I rolled a foe. Ha-ha. Oh, damn it. It's you again, but Mike. I should be exempt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, last time we left Marty, he was stuck in 1955 and had just received a letter from Doc in 1885. Uh... So, basically, what Marty has to do is talk to 1955 Doc, get 1955 Doc to uh, uncover the time machine that 1885 Doc has hidden, uh, go back to 1885 because they find out some information about Doc's life being in danger, then Doc and Marty basically live in 1885 for a week while they try to figure out how to get home after some various mishaps. Doc falls in love, which complicates things. Marty gets himself in trouble with another member of the Tannen family, which complicates things. They both get their troubles resolved, and at the end of the movie, uh, Marty goes home leaving Doc in 1885, presumably with his love interest. Uh, And at the end of the movie, the time machine is destroyed, and uh, Doc comes back with a different time machine that's made out of a train. A lot easier to do the elevator pitch summary than the Back to the Future 2. Hey, hey. I got an elevator pitch for you. Hey, did you see how much money Back to the Future's 1 and 2 made? Of course we're going to make 3. The end. Let, let, let's make it a West End. That, and that, yeah. We haven't done that yet. Yeah, that, tell the boys down there to start working on That's it. That's right, yeah. all right. Get it in the can. Now we need a montage of like hammers and nails and this Western town coming You're the up. best around. Shit, we don't have the rights to that one. No, no, but you said less than, tw- less than 20 Okay, good, so, so I can good. keep going, basically. Yeah. No, no, I just want to point out something real quick. Real quick about this movie. Why? No. Oh. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll see you guys later, I guess. Just get it, go for it. Why, if Doc, since the second movie, has been so hell-bent on destroying the time machine... Does he not only provide that... And he says, don't come back and get me. That's not part of the plot yet. Don't come back and get me. 
Why does he provide them a map to the DeLorean and then instructions on how to fix it and make it time travel capable again using 1955? So he can get back to the future. Yeah, Marty can't get stuck in 1955. That's the other thing that Doc is is all about, is not ruining the space-time continuum. But he could finally get with his mom like he always wanted to. Wait, no, like she always wanted to. Uh, I have the weirdest boner. Uh... (laughs) Uh, didn't that, you pay attention at the end of the Back to the Future? That's that's not a thing. That's that, that's over now. Damn. She's got a huge George McFly oh, boner. I've got so many he, things he wrong could, about this movie. I guess. Yeah, he could have totally stolen her. Like all he has to do is show up in his his fancy underwear with his name yeah, on. Yeah, come on. Man, <laughs> game over. The student has hardly become the master at this point. Marty could just swoop right back in. Right. You get your damn hands. Okay, go ahead. All right. <laughs> I don't want to talk about this anymore. I'm comfortable. Okay. <laughs> Mike needs an adult. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an adult. Things have just gotten worse. Uh, I'm going to go Okay, cry now. so I missed that little plot point. Obviously, Marty McFly can't stay in 1955. So never mind. They have to get him back. Right. Well, and, and but, but you know what? One of my first thoughts was, wouldn't those tires be totally dry rotted after 70 years? Yeah, sure. They're in shreds on the rims of that wheel. So. Hey, hey, hey. He put, he put new tires on them. For sure. Yeah, with the yeah. Uh, the, the 1955. Fancy white the walls. The hot white yeah. walls. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, not to, not to, you know, not to poo-poo on the movie, but I, I kind of want to maybe get on the same uh, bandwagon as our friend Peter here. Well, this is a first. Yeah. Okay. So they find out that Doc is going to die on Monday, the whatever, whatever. He goes back with four days? Like, just four days before he's going to die? Fuck that. If it's me, I know he's been there for six months before he dies. Fuck you. I'm going back like two months ahead of time. Give me some time to get this shit straightened out or or just to head off the whole fucking thing altogether. Yeah, fuck that. Extract him on the day he went back. That way he doesn't have time to make connections. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. Swoop in and save the fucking. That's saving the day right no there. Shit. You're not fucking with the uh, the space time. Uh, who's he? Who's he? What's that? Leaves a Delorean. No matter what, it leaves a Delorean stuck in the. Hmm. Yeah, Doc would still have to make sure to bury the extra Delorean. Great fucking Scott. And or or just destroy the the one that's left there. They'd just, have to remember you know, which one's the original. At oh yeah, the very easy. least not draw a map to it and yeah. tell people how to fix it and use it for evil. Wow, it's uh, mind blown. Yes, they could have. Yeah. He could have just done all of this. You didn't need a multi-million dollar generating movie. <sighs> oh well. We'll go back and, and destroy the second DeLorean. I just solved all of time travel's problems in one sentence. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and and we and we do know that because of I mean th- that might have actually worked because we know that the the throughout the movie that the doc of. 1955 every time something changes in another timeline the other person doesn't remember it unless they're there or you meet another version of that person right so and then one of the clone falls into a tank of water and dies basically <laughs> so the doc that's in 1855 is not the same doc that started at the first time we see doc in in 1985 one so that's why he doesn't remember yeah. that he bought marty those Clothes Those with the atoms. God on. awful, yeah, cowboy duds. Yeah, so you're right, Josh. We could have solved this whole movie because there's different versions of different timelines just by Marty doing that. Wow. You know, I thought I thought I found a cool little hidden thing in the movie. Um, as as I was watching this this last time, in the very beginning, there was a movie playing at the theater called The Atomic Kid. 
And oh. I was like, oh, that sounds like a Western. And I thought maybe that'll explain the, the crazy-ass uh, get-up that he gives Marty. But no, The Atomic Kid was not a Western. I, it was an actual movie. I, I did uh, IMDb it, and uh, it is not a Western. Hmm. I, th- I thought I was going to blow your fucking dicks off with that one, but no, nope, not so much. it's still there. <laughs> so, so we've already started out by just bashing this movie, thanks to Pete. Um, I want to talk about something I think that it does right. I think that uh, unlike the uh, part two, that this sequel gets kind of right down to bones. You know, mm-hmm. it, they, they only have that little bit where they're like reminding you, okay, Marty's going to meet the doc from there and doc's just like faint but Mm -hmm. after that like it gets right down to it and even through the credits and stuff they put them right back into the movie versus the credits for part two which were like oh there's just a bunch of flying through clouds well it's about five minutes of just credits 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 then the movie starts but we do get a healthy dose of uh spoken word exposition as doc when they go back to his place in 1955 immediately starts dictating into his audio diary about everything that happened in the previous movies basically well and i think that's interesting because it sort of like makes doc doc is more of a character in this movie we talked about it last time in the second movie doc is like you know again the mission giver like Mm -hmm. marty go do this marty go do this. he's the catalyst he's his transportation basically right and then the (laughs) first in the first movie doc is sort of just like the friend helping where marty is clearly the central character over the course of the movies we've now seen like uh doc be the the catalyst in the second movie and in the in the third movie now because you know he starts out being the first person to sort of start the movie and get people caught up he's the sort of the central character in this marty's the the secondary well, I mean, honestly, how how much deeper can could they have gone with Marty? I mean, I don't give a fuck about his great 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 whatevers. It, you know, cool. It's uh, you know, it's it's still Michael J. Fox or whatever. But yeah, I think that that well was pretty well dry by that point. Well, and Marty does get some character development. His huge character flaw. Uh, is overcome in this movie that was created for two that was created for two yes the one ridiculous character yes he no longer puts his life into extreme peril when called yellow so (laughs) which is (laughs) i can't say this enough very stupid but really his life is pretty much in order thanks to the events of one and two and now it's time to give doc a little bit of a human you know human feel to him instead of just being the the mission giver they could have called it back to the future part three the quest for doc the quest for doc (laughs) it feels more um akin to part one it takes like the things from part one and sort of turns them on their head big things that i noticed was like okay so they did the you know part one and two had the skateboarding scene where like marty just owns biff and griff in part one and two respectively and in this skateboarding scene it instead was an old west scene where uh skateboards don't work on a dirt road fail well there's not that but i mean instead there's a it's a chase scene and and uh mad dog tannon basically owns marty this time during that scene well it's because he who has the guns wins yeah, Marty just had a pair of Nikes and, and a pink shirt. Yeah, and no horses, and yeah. yeah. He tried to just do it. And, and then, of course, there <laughs> there was the comment by Doc in uh, in part two. <laughs> in part two, you know, where we're going, we don't need roads. And then and Doc in this one, the 1955 Doc says, where you're going, there are no roads. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the whole structure of, of the movie sort of is, is like part one, except it's sort of turned on its ear. 
It's definitely a return to form in the respect that the convolution of the second movie is gone. Now we have the more straight line plot throughout the entire movie. And now granted, there are developments and there are complications to overcome. But basically, the mission remains the same throughout the entire film. Yeah, but nothing nearly as complicated as that second movie. Oh, I mean, not. that. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, everything from. Yeah. Well, I, I won't. Yeah, well, I, we, yeah, know, right. we know what happened in the movie. I'm so glad I didn't have to do the elevator pitch for that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of the fact that there are no roads and the fact that the, the DeLorean becomes more or less disabled because the gas line is cut during the chase with the Apaches or whatever. Uh, more so, uh, because more white dudes are coming to kill the because Indians. Because more white dudes are coming to kill them. Uh, uh, so typical. And it's all in Monument Valley, which I had no idea was in Southern California. Yeah. It's not. Um, but anyway. <laughs> womp womp. Yep, exactly. So this is the first time I found myself asking, now that the DeLorean's not able to reach 88 miles per hour because of that fuel line, why does the time circuit depend on that 88 miles per hour? It's like, it's now that it can't do it, I'm starting to wonder, why did it have to in the first place? It's funny you mentioned that. I found a couple... Th- I, I had the same question, and I uh, did a little bit of research. Mike, I don't know if you did the same research. Or I know I gave you the research that I, I did. I looked at it, but I'll let you do it. <laughs> he considers it all bunk, but... No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there are really only two that I thought were interesting enough to mention, one that basically said uh, it had something to do with the uh, LED readout, you know, on the, the time circuits or whatever. Basically, when it hits 88, they're all lit up and that, you know, that kicks it into gear, yep. which sounds like bullshit. It seems a little, yeah. Uh, there's another one, and uh, this one uh, gets a little interesting. Uh, I'll, I will read this, and this is straight off of Reddit, so you know it's it's oh, uh, r- our really first reputable. Reddit reference. We are getting to a new level of podcast. We picked a great scholarly publication, though. <laughs> All right, basically, uh, what the flux capacitor does is creates a wormhole between you know these two points in time. But the problem is, it's only open for a certain amount of time. If if the car is going too slow, the wormhole will close, and you won't pass through it. Uh, or if it's too fast, let's see, what happens if it goes too fast? Do-do-do, okay, if the wormhole stability was measured as lasting only 0.10717 seconds, then to move a car 4.216 meters long, a DeLorean, through it, before it closes, you would need to be moving at 39.3395 meters per second, oh, wow. or 88 miles per hour. Hmm. Uh, if you're going too fast, then you reach the wormhole before it fully opens, and God knows what happens then. So uh, the front part. Oh, sorry. So go, so go when, into the world of your podcast, and <laughs> oh God. Yeah, exactly. And then look out. So when Marty was trying to go ninety, running away from those Libyan terrorists in the first movie, he did not know what serious peril he was in. Well, I think that you know once you hit eighty-eight, that's that's when, that's it, when kicks it kicks in. in. It's it's regardless. So there's yeah. no da- there's no danger in going faster. Like, no, you'll just, I mean, because you'll just end up going faster on the other side. Assuming the vehicle has to accelerate from less than 88 miles an hour and doesn't just magically go faster. Well, yeah. And I think once they turn the time circuits off, you can do whatever you want. And I feel ashamed for saying magically. It's all science. Damn it. Nothing. Magic. Auto magically. Yeah. Well, th- you know, that sounds that's give it a plausible stamp. I don't know. <laughs> it's a time travel movie. Whatever. Did anybody find it weird in 1885 that sure Seamus McFly looks like Marty plausible right he's McFly um why is Seamus McFly's wife Lorraine McFly effectively yeah. 
As, as Marty inbred? I, the families have I, I, always intermarried. You've found their dark secret. Yeah, I was, I'm was. i starting to feel like these uh, gene pools are real shallow in Hill Valley. Well, that's just it. <laughs> Hill Valley. That's Sorry. just it. Every single person that lives in Hill Valley in the present 1985 is like a descendant of the founding fathers of the town. No one has ever moved to or from this town. Or or four feet. Or Right, exactly. <laughs> right, they all live in Yet the same, Yet it is you know. growing like a motherfucker. It's just absurd. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I don't know. Obviously, the fact that everybody looks like everybody else in this movie is basically because this movie, Back to the Future 3, is constructed almost entirely of in-jokes from the first two movies. But Yeah, especially like um, uh, Strickland. And we've got, we've got um, yes. Marshall Strickland, and obviously the kid is Strickland. Mm-hmm, right. Because he's ancient, and apparently he never dies. Right, he's a goddamn like, immortal. I'm trying to figure out how that math works. But sure enough, the guy looked just as spry in 1955 as he did in 1985, so... Well, even the even the uh, the shit company was the the same name. Uh, God, the manure company. Yeah, right? Oh yeah, yeah. God forbid another shit company try to set up shop in that town. They just <laughs> go straight out of business. This is a one shit company town. They've got a shit monopoly up in there. <sighs> it's just a it's a an argument for the fact that history repeats itself over and over. And, and I over think that's what they're going again. for. But it, it's it's weird when you think about it way too much. <laughs> Well, if you think about it way too much, yeah. you're thinking about it too much. Because it's a goddamn comedy movie. It's a comedy time travel movie, like, chock full of cameos. Speaking of, uh, of, of things appearing over and over, obviously, we've got um, Buford Tannen, Buford Mad Dog Tannen's crew is, again, the same dudes that he's had throughout the movies right, as right. Griff and... And Biff, 3D and Skinhead, and all those guys. Just cowboyed up. No, uh, they're different dudes. They are. What the hell? One. I guess. So. No, they're different dudes. Billy Zane is not one of those guys. <gasps> well, I did see that Billy Zane wasn't in there, but. Oh, I guess I didn't. Pay- I shit. thought they were. The- hmm. Maybe one or two of them are the same, but. Yeah, uh, there was some crossover. Uh, Needle's crew uh, was mad dog tannins like some of those crossed over right right and needles is like marty's biff apparently yeah i was i i never really quite understood how those two were related but yeah who cares it's fleet from red hot chili peppers so cool i love buford man uh he is awesome in this movie he chews a scene man he chews a scene very well but it, it's by design. He does it masterfully. He's not doing it because he's in a piece of crap. He's doing it because this movie demands over-the-top performances. Well, and I love it. I mean, the way that they make uh, Buford just be like the old Western thing and, and the way he obviously has a relationship uh, with the saloon master and the guys playing poker, um, mm-hmm. who, might I mention, are all old West movie stars. That's right. Um, Wasn't that one dude in Green Acres? The one that was sounding like this, you know. Yeah, he was also the the sheriff of Nottingham and Robin Hood, the the animated one. I saw Harry yeah. Terry Jr. was also uh, one of the cast, one of those cast members, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Just old West uh, standbys. Oh yeah, and, and it, I mean that that was obviously like a, a Zemeckis choice, sort of a, a tribute to all these old Western movies. But yeah, the way that Buford is is like known throughout the town, he. You know, obviously is the classic Wild West bad guy. And his gang is talking about robbing stagecoaches and things like that. And mm-hmm. God, they sold it. That's what they do. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. It's like they're a little inept family of, you know, thugs. Mm-hmm. So, very cool. 
What did you think of the gun that Doc used to save Marty? Oh, that thing was fucking rad. Yeah. Well, I mean, not the gun itself, but the scope was uh, pretty dope. Yeah. This that was rhymed. one of those first times I saw it, and I said, oh, they've they've the prop department was just having a, a laugh at us, basically. I would love to see that sniper rifle in a first-person shooter game. I'm just saying... <laughs> Oh. It looks like a you know something from Borderlands, like the the Jacobs Company or whatever would have made. Did you guys notice that Buford's horse is the only one in the gang that's black? I did not. Yeah, symbolism, perhaps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait, you're telling me that he's the bad guy? <laughs> I didn't get that till like the last five minutes of the movie. Seriously. I found out a fun little deal. Uh, uh, the guy that plays the bartender in the saloon that serves, quote-unquote, Clint Eastwood, also uh, played in what the outlaw Josie Wales. He was a bartender. No kidding. Yeah. Boy, he pigeonholed himself, huh? I think I read something about yeah. that one. I believe Clint Eastwood's character, Josie Wales, comes to the bar and asks for whiskey, and they say, we don't serve whiskey. So when they were referencing that mm-hmm. here... We only serve all we serve is whiskey. Yeah, (laughs) you know, when I was a kid, I honestly thought that if you poured whiskey and you spilled it on the bar counter like that, it would like smoke smoke and like react (laughs) with the the wood. (laughs) I was like, dang, that's some strong stuff. Might explain why it did what it did to Doc later, but it's the old nerd can't hold his liquor. Mm -hmm. You know, Uh, and I think uh, most of us can agree that uh, some lots of nerds we met uh, can really hold their liquor. Mm hmm. Well, Jesus, Doc really can't hold his liquor. He's, uh... <laughs> Shuts his ass down. Yeah, exactly. It's funny. One shot, and he's he's out for the count, pretty much. But not before he tells a bar full of people all about the future, like you would expect a drunk person would do, and not just a not just a really depressed person, I guess. <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> I don't know. It's worth noting that he's depressed because. Uh, Mary Steenburgen is in this movie playing the love interest opposite of Doc, which I don't know if we mentioned yet. Uh, apparently the part was written for her. Written for her, mm-hmm. And uh, uh, she didn't want to do it at first, but her kids convinced her to do it. Boy, that seems like such a common tale in Hollywood, you know? Like, iconic person who filled a certain role only did it because their kid said, oh, you should, you know, live a little, Dad. And obviously, the Doc-Clara relationship in this movie is one of the central... I mean, when Doc is is taking the front role, he's really, you know, wrestling with, well, you know, do I do what my brain says as a scientist and I'm sick of messing with the timeline? Or do I follow my heart, uh, who obviously has fallen in love with this person, and, and, and move on with my life? I say follow your boner. <laughs> There's a boner joke, and, and, and uh, you know, Rob Weeks has been hounding us on Twitter uh, for for a dick joke mentioned. So oh, let's give him one. Yeah, there's a dick joke in here. So uh, in the scene when Clara comes to get her telescope fixed and basically she's got her arms around Doc and he's getting all like, woo-hoo-hoo. At the end of the scene... A lady scene, is touching me. Yeah, at the end of the scene, um, he says he's going to fix the telescope and they're walking her walk away. And Marty walks up, looks down at Doc, you know, towards his crotch and he's like... That's a nice telescope. Missed that. <laughs> wow, how did I miss that? I'm usually always paying attention to I know, to the right? It's things. like the first thing I notice anytime. But, uh, well, there's also the implication that Doc gets laid uh, when, when he and Clara are discussing Jules Verne and astronomy and other, you know, bonerific topics. No well, doubt. they're about the same age, so that's probably when Jules Verne came to be. No doubt. And the next day, he's like all wandering around, you know, doing the looking at the birds, smelling the flowers kind of thing. And it's like that dude got laid for sure. Gross. And actually, did you know, I mean, uh, 
joking aside, that that was Christopher Lloyd's first on-screen kiss? Ever? Ever. As an old No, dude? it wasn't. No, there was one before this. I swear to God. Uh, that's what the, my sources told me, but if you in, know in about one other one. 1929's This Islander. Motherfucker. I can't. Oh, you know what? Uh, oh, here it is. He actually uh, had an on-screen kissing scene with Leslie Ann Warren in Clue in 1985. Ooh. Really? Damn. Why am I forgetting that he was in Clue? Probably because it's a shitty movie. I, I've, I haven't seen Clue since probably 1990 <sighs> when I was a kid. I feel so. like I watched it recently, so my memory is just that bad. I, I tried to watch it uh, a few months ago and was like, why was this ever? Ugh. It's a little high school drama-y, high hmm. school play-ish. But anyway, but you know, Mary Steenburgen's character, she's smart. She seems somewhat physically capable, but she's really filling that. Uh, her introduction, for Christ's sake, is her needing to be rescued. And from that point on, she's a yeah. bit damsel in distressy and uh, kind of just a complication to the plot. I mean, Doc's plan, because he so desperately does not want to disrupt the timeline. This is what this man gets a boner for, not disrupting the timeline. <laughs> He is planning to leave it all behind and go back to 1985, but just he's toying with the idea of not doing it because now he likes this girl, and then he has to eventually not do it because he has to rescue her. I don't know. It's it's tropey. Do we say that a lot? Yeah, I think it is tropey. It's a it's kind of a bit more tropey than Lorraine's treatment. Um, I know you know obviously L- Lorraine in, in Back to the Future one and two. Um, has a bit of the damsel in distressy, but she's still kind of a firecracker and at least tries before she gives up mm-hmm. uh, and realizes that she's, you know, SOL in, in some situations versus, uh, yeah, Clara is very much more way old fashioned for somebody who is apparently, you know, as learned and scientific as her in the 1880s, which, you know, I suppose at that time it wasn't probably considered that proper other than the fact that she's a school teacher well she and she she actively places herself in danger so that she needs to be rescued i mean she wouldn't have been on that train if she hadn't like rode her ass over there and jumped on well i mean arguably uh i mean that that by that part's really kind of cool because she at least tried she tried she tried and got and was just capable enough to get herself into hot water and need to be rescued but that's just my opinion every one step they give her they get two steps back She's not Furiosa. No, she's not <laughs> Furiosa. <laughs> when do we do that movie? That can Damn. be uh, not disputed. Yeah, uh, well, let's see. Yeah, <laughs> the year 2025. You know, uh, I, I read about a fun little anecdote that happened with ZZ Top. I don't know if you guys came across that. Uh, no, no, I was just surprised to see them in general. <laughs> I, I, yeah, in 1990, I felt like ZZ Top was, was kind of a stretch. It's, you know... Kind of like uh, when you know Aerosmith showed up in Armageddon, people were like really these guys? <laughs> yeah, they, they were already considered classic rock by yeah, that time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Were. Well, apparently, uh, what happened? What had happened was they were hanging hanging about the set, and uh, they were asked to play in that one scene. It was it was kind of an on the fly thing, you know, them uh, playing in the scene uh, with with the dance. And a cam- the camera had busted, and so they had to stop filming, take the camera off to be repaired, and uh, Marty asked them if they would play Hey, Good Looking, and then they did, and then somebody else asked them to play a song, and then two hours later of, you know, basically this impromptu all-request ZZ Top concert, <laughs> uh, they finally start filming again. And uh, it turned out later that uh, 
long before they had started, you know, they had resumed filming, the camera had been repaired, but uh, Zemeckis didn't want to stop the party that had started. So they have a blooper reel going too, huh? Well, no, the camera was Damn, I thought they had it fixed and they just started rolling once, you know, dude from the bar was like, hey, can you play Tube Snake Boogie? (laughs) (laughs) So you're saying the party was actually a party? Well, off camera at least. That's kind of cool. Damn, and then once they started rolling, everybody looked dead and lifeless. Not true, because uh, Steenberg and Tora Tendon doing that wild dance with Doc uh, Doc Brown. Yeah, Christopher Lloyd just... Wow. He's yeah. Man of money talents. And... That's right, apparently. Injuring women is one of them. <sighs> but only on the dance floor. I'd like to make that very clear. I'm sorry that that made me laugh so hard. Speaking of the party, did anybody notice that there was like fireworks around where the clock tower or the clock would be in the clock tower scene? Oh. Huge, I don't know, backshadowing, referencing, mm-hmm. and a foreshadowing, whatever, because timey wimey. But you know, showing that oh yeah, this is where it's gonna blow up someday. Right. It looked exactly. It was that type of a firework, really. It mm-hmm. Just like sparks flying off of a. Uh, clock i don't remember why marty said it but he had said far out at one time to, to shame about us. the pie tin the pie tin yeah the, the, the frisbee. frisbee pie tin yeah and then he said that to uh the seamus mcfly family Seamus and maggie and, and maggie's like it was right in front of yeah. him as what's far that out? supposed to mean yeah. it was right in front of his face yeah <laughs> <laughs> that, that's pretty good Good stuff. I liked those two, quite honestly. And there was some good camera work there with having Michael J. Fox on the camera twice. The, the scene I'm thinking of is when Michael J. Fox hands Michael J. Fox the baby with Leah Thompson very quickly walking in front of the front of the scene while that happens. Yeah, and, and this I, time I, I watched yeah. it, I had the same sort of like, oh, God, I can see the rotoscoping. They're going to do it. Yeah, yeah. Right? That's, that's, yeah, that's what it is. The, the more noticeable one to me, I guess it was really kind of a split second thing but when he handed the chicken or rabbit or whatever the fuck it was you could see it like split and break off into you know where where they didn't quite line it up on the you know when they were filming it something changed in the matrix (laughs) yes isn't that where they were walking next to each other am i thinking no that's when it was the same scene basically but it happened before uh she you know put her butt in the oh yeah and then where it really wasn't noticeable is when they were facing each other talking there was like a bush straight in the center of the screen that they could just do the film thing again so they didn't have to rotoscope it again you (laughs) strategically placed bush (laughs) but you i like some strategically just like in (laughs) no uh but you wouldn't have seen it if you hadn't been looking for it well yeah i mean that's that's our 2015 eyes like these special effects aren't real, man. It's just not. Well, none were. So... Nary a computer. None are so egregious as when they try to make something fly in these movies, like Doc and Clara going off on the hoverboard. The hoverboard, which is very mm. immediately in the movie featured, uh, Marty's resting in 1955 with his feet, you know, resting on the hoverboard because the hoverboard yeah. was such a freaking hit. That was probably all you need to remember from part two was that there's a hoverboard. That, that was kind of cute. I mean, I, I, I thought that was cute. But yeah, the hoverboard when Doc and Clara are flying off is like four feet off the ground hovering when it right. normally hovers like inches off the ground. It was flying. It wasn't hovering. Yeah. yeah. And, and do you really think it had the power to, to carry both of their big old asses? No, they, they should have just crashed and burned. You right. know, like, yeah. like, oh shit, they died. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, but why, why isn't Marty like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> not gonna make it. He just goes back to 1985 and gets killed because you know he's crying his eyes out yeah, and the right. train comes. And the train nails him. <laughs> the real ending. 
a Quentin Tarantino <laughs> film. <laughs> yeah, there's there's the there's also in the first movie they had the whole clock montage in the very beginning. And in this movie, they had another clock montage where they showed, you know, you see it throughout the movie. Doc has been rebuilding his lab, but in 1885. Um, and so they have all the different clocks and the automatic breakfast maker right. um, wakes him up. True to 1980s Hollywood's view of science, you know. Yeah. Uh, ultra convoluted. Everything's got to be a go- uh, Rube Goldberg. Exactly. Machine. Rube Goldberg uh, egg fryer and toast maker. Science. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is what it can do for your life. The first thing you see after that in the very first movie is like Marty wake up and you see like the the Michael J. Fox eyes, which are, you know, like at the time it was like, oh, heartthrob. The you know? dreamiest part of the movie since before we saw his right butt cheek. Well, that's what I was saying. <laughs> Instead of that, this time he wakes up, they don't show his face at all. And he just turns around. You see his butt cheek hanging Fan out. Fan service. Yeah. That was for the same people that love that first part. Fan. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Doing good for a guy yeah, almost 30 years old playing a 17-year-old. <laughs> yeah, Could be worse. This movie, I perceived this movie was going to be the most family-friendly of the three to reach a more broad audience to bring in the movie dollars, that kind of thing. It very much feels like a PG movie, unlike the second movie, which was a PG-13 feeling movie. But it was still rated PG. It was still rated PG. I, I did check that. Even questionably PG-13. This one definitely feels like a PG movie, but it, they say all the swear words in this movie is basically what I'm going well, Once again, there's a lot of shit, yeah. Right, yeah, they say... There's they, bitch in they this They say movie. asshole. Yeah, yeah, does Marty call Buford Tannen a silly bitch? Yes. He totally does. Like, what the hell? Anyway. <laughs> and asshole, <laughs> The guy's yeah. a silly bitch. He's an well, asshole. I'm not gonna do that. They say shit. The 80s was a, a weird time. I mean, guys... Beetlejuice was rated PG. Yeah, well, jeez. Uh, that yeah, nice fucking model, honk honk. What the fuck, dude? <laughs> that should have been PG thirteen to R, somewhere in between right, there. Right. Yeah. No, as long as they weren't showing violence or drugs, I think it was cool in the eighties. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> oh, um, and of course, you know, we can't talk about this movie without talking about the Marty versus Buford uh, standoff, the exchange of words between Marty and Buford. Is I love the. I thought we could sell this like man. <laughs> you thought you wrong. Thought dude. wrong. You thought wrong. <laughs> well, Josh, you did it best. You say it for sure. You thought wrong, dude. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Bang. That was awesome. <laughs> Even before the showdown, starting with the challenge it's, itself, you know, it's it's following the old west. Uh, formula you know everybody congratulates him for standing up to the bad guy the mortician immediately comes up to him and starts measuring him for his burial suit that kind of thing (laughs) the guy was creepy as shit like he should be that's right that's right and the only reason he's in this pickle is because again i think buford called him a yellow yellow village sapsucker or something like that and he just can't handle that but uh his relative talks the sense into him that, hey, look, my brother was the same as you. My brother, your great-great-uncle or something like that, you know, got himself killed because somebody called him a, a weenie or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and he couldn't back down. So, I don't know. That's something that, that you know, he tries to get out of it. He says, like you said... Let's settle this like men instead of actually fighting. But everybody's like, you'll be known as a yellow-bellied sapsucker of the West for your whole days. Yeah. And he's like, well, fuck. <laughs> Guess I'm going to go get shot. The gutless yellow turd. That's actually pretty <laughs> harsh, man. Yeah. Ouch. This is before swearing was invented proper. So... <laughs> 
Not true. But uh, yeah, this is where Marty uses the stove door as the bulletproof vest. He got the idea from that Clint Eastwood movie that was playing in Biff's Casino in the second movie. Yeah. That kind of thing. Hell, that's probably where he got the idea to call himself Clint Eastwood and not John Wayne or whatever. Yeah. But... I would have loved to see a, a Buford Mad Dog Tannen movie, you know, like or a mini movie or something. <laughs> like Machete, like in the vein of Machete. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> <Just> Buford. <laughs> Mad Dog. His name is Mad Dog. Coming soon to a theater near you. Make like a tree and get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> to your theater. <laughs> Make like a tree and get the fuck to the theater. A Robert Rodriguez film. <laughs> uh, Night of the Living Mad Dog. Oh, man. Of course, you know, this movie, we all talk about it. You know, everybody pines for it. Practical effects. Practical effects. The train. The train pushing the DeLorean. Practical effects. Yep. Explosions. Sparks ramps everything wow question why did the train explode when it hit the canyon floor when the only combustible material on it was logs because those are some fucking logs bro well what the fuck (laughs) yeah because hollywood demands that everything explode when it hits the ground basically they threw a fucking train off of a <laughs> which is cool that's great there, might there have... was some definitely some time detonations in there you know well there's but... actually a subplot where they were uh running gunpowder for for the local government underneath all the logs <laughs> a completely completely unseen subplot yep <laughs> i see i just found that weird i rewound the scene i couldn't tell and that's a good sign of good practical effects i wanted to see if they actually threw a full-size train off of the of a ravine or if they did like or a, if like it's only a model exactly <laughs> i couldn't tell and i couldn't find that research anywhere i was looking for that as well it looked legit it really did well i mean it was the uh, 80s they used to throw cars like off ravines everything yeah, yeah dude the blues I mean, brothers was made in the 80s <laughs> oh, god <laughs> the the biggest car chase in cinema history to this day mm-hmm. uh, well maybe fury road probably passed it but Maybe. I think Blues Brothers 2000 probably supplanted it, but uh, you know, who knows if... We don't be... talk about that one. No, well... It's never going to be on the show. It happened. I hate ever. to say it. <laughs> it's eligible, guys. Fuck it. <laughs> it has to be a question. Yeah, right. There has to be some sh- shred of doubt. I have a question. What's your question? Ask away. Do you guys remember the Back to the Future animated series? Yes, I do. I try to put it out of my memory, but yes... <laughs> Yeah, wasn't it like the continued adventures of Doc and his fucking family in that train his or something? smarmy goddamn kids. Yeah, and Marty just pretty much hung around once in a while. He wasn't in every episode. Yeah. yeah. Creepy he, Uncle Marty. He yeah. rode a hoverboard around the Old West every which way. Yeah, I, I can't remember like the, the, the time span in between Back to the Future 3 and that series, but I want to say when it came out, I was a little too old for cartoons. It was a 90s series. I want to say like 94 or 5 or something like that. So there was a little bit of time between, I think. Interestingly enough, now they just released the series for the first time on uh, Blu-ray and DVD. Um, Why? I don't know. They call it the complete adventures of uh, There were Back dozens of people clamoring for it. Dozens. <laughs> no. Um, but you, br- the I remember I was thinking about that cartoon when I was watching this movie because it does seem like a continuation of this movie of the entire series. Uh, but it features that train time machine that Doc mm-hmm. uses at the very end of this movie to pay a three-minute visit to 1985. Why did Doc build another time machine? His whole boner for this whole movie, for the whole second two-thirds of the trilogy, has been destroying the time machine. So now that that's finally been achieved... He goes ahead and builds another time machine. 
So, the Western Union thing already worked once. It would have worked again. I know. Again. He could have given Marty that gift by sending it Western Union. He shows up, says, okay, I'm alive. Okay, bye, fuck you, yeah. and then just leaves. Do you think it's a spaceship? I mean, those motherfuckers. Well, it's steampunky, so it, it who knows? Feel, it feels like, you know, the way it seals up and stuff, it's like a spaceship now. And that's yeah. kind of the implication I got with a, discarding the cartoon completely. Which is totally canon. No. Maybe not. <laughs> Well, I mean, there's also a Telltale series uh, of, uh, of of games that actually has Christopher Lloyd playing Doc Brown again, and um, yeah. a uh, Michael J. Fox impersonator who's really good playing Marty McFly until um, Michael J. Fox himself does get into that Telltale series. Okay, check it out; it's probably cheap. Did Did they ever greenlight Back to the Future Four? Ah, uh, no, they did not. They said the end at the end of this one, man. Uh, there's a there's some articles on there like the studio heads wanted it, but they couldn't get Zemeckis to want to do it. I I heard that it was more of like a recent development that they were trying to put it together like in the past couple of years. Yeah, I I don't know. I do know that there is, and this is legitimate. There there's a Back to the Future musical that's uh, supposed to um be premiering in 2016 sometime Ooh. which is just going to follow the first movie's plot but add music oh i can't wait to hear doc brown's aria <laughs> maybe you too will get a hold of it like they did the fucking spider-man broadway show and people will die mm. nope i hope not <laughs> how many ways can we crash a delorean <laughs> oh god uh, well, it sounds promising though anyway would a steam-powered spaceship get very far very fast I don't know. That's a good question. As long as you've got the steam venting. I mean, once once you actually get lift off into, you know, outer space. I mean, we know we know Doc can build a great time travel machine, but as far as a spatial travel machine, he couldn't even vent a way out of Hill Valley. Oh, ha, ha, ha. Sorry. <laughs> I love that whop, whop, whop. one. He stole that from Epic Rap Battles of History. Of oh. course I did, and it was great. Okay, we're going to close this off, and we're going to get to the decision of if Back to the Future 3 is sacred or not. All right, so now we're here to decide the fate of Back to the Future 3. Is it sacred? Bovinus Sanctorum. Or should it be put out to pasture? Bovinus Excommunicato! Wow! Fuck off, you cow! (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You said I was boring last time. Well, I hope you listened to the episode so you could have heard what I did with that. I bet you didn't. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, well. He's not admitting it. (laughs) Okay. We'll uh, move on. Podcasting, the visual medium. <laughs> so, hey, take a look at this. <laughs> Josh, I think, uh, just think I'm going to edit I'm that sorry. last section of Pete out, but uh, uh, do you want to go ahead and help us decide who's going to go first now? Yeah, let's let's roll some dice. I keep on slipping into my uh, Cthulhu and Friends voice. Hey, everybody, this is Josh. All right, I am one and two. Mike is three and four, and Pete is five and six. Oh, I rolled a one. That's me. Woohoo! You know, I started this whole thing with Back to the Future 3 being my favorite. And I kind of still think it is. Um, well, if anything has changed, maybe it is a very, very close second behind number one. Uh, but I still think that it is uh, a sacred cow, if you will. That's it. Okay. No eating this cow. All right. Uh, who's going next? Yeah, I got I to gotta die four. Hey, oh. perfect. I'll take three and four. Okay. 
Roll the two. Go for it, Mike. Woo! Woo! All right. I like to wait for everybody to duke it out, and then I side with the winner anyway, so. Oh, okay. Well, uh, uh, I'm going to go with, I think that Back to the Future Part 3 is sacred. I am on the train that I think, while number one is sort of the perfect self-contained movie, and it really didn't need these sequels, but they're fun anyway, um, that three is the better of the two sequels. I really like how it sort of holds a mirror up and sort of messes with what you expect from part one. I love how Doc is given character development. He's given a problem um, that he has to solve, uh, you know, within himself. And he's not just like handing out missions or giving exposition or being the catalyst of things. He's actually the character that's sort of the main part of this movie. So, yeah, and it sort of ties up the whole marty and doc friendship uh thing well i guess that just leaves me Mm -hmm. there's no real easy answer for this movie i'm gonna say that this movie is sacred because it is a good movie i still personally because of my background because of whatever don't think that this is better than the second movie per se it is a good movie. It's entertaining. It has suspense and action and excitement and all of that good character growth for the doc. But um, it's starting to feel a little episodic, in my opinion. It It's probably the least important to the overall story. Uh, other than the time machine being destroyed at the end, it feels like it could just be like the first episode of the continuing series of, you know, Back to the Future every Sunday night on ABC. What kind about... Of thing. <laughs> What about the fact that, uh, you know, there's a happy ending pretty much for every character in that? There is. I mean, they definitely make it. There's an ending. There's a very definite ending at the end of this movie. Wouldn't have to be. But then again, I suppose you could say the same for the other three movies. Basically, one could have ended before Doc comes back in his flying car and two could have ended before he gets struck by lightning, that kind of thing. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm calling this a sacred movie. This is a very good movie. I would consider it required viewing if you're watching the Back to the Future series. Uh, We have uh, Josh saying absolutely yes, sacred. Mike saying absolutely sacred. Pete saying sacred with qualifiers. A caveat. All right. Well, that still ends up being sacred for Back to the Future 3. Bovina Sanctorum. Um. Sacred. Oh, thank you for translating. All right. That's my best castrato. Not not bad. Well. <laughs> do, you have to, do you have to squeeze them a little for that? <laughs> I'll never reveal my secrets. I'm dying over here. <laughs> dying over here. All right. Well, um, since we did a review of a set of movies, we have the tradition of deciding if uh, the entire series is sacred. So we're going to take a little break and decide if the series is sacred before we do our closing. All right, so now it's time to decide if the entire Back to the Future series as a whole is sacred. And while many of you think this is a formality, it might be, it's good to just kind of, uh, you know, close the loop. So we're going to go in reverse order from the way we decided that the Back to the Future 3 was sacred. And Pete's going to go first, followed by me, and then finally Josh. Oh, yeah. All right. Pete, closing the loop. 
Well, this is a formality. I called the all three of the movies in this trilogy sacred, and certainly this series is sacred. Say what you will about two and three, even if you didn't like them. I think that this uh, trilogy is a great start-to-finish experience, uh, sure to delight audiences of all ages whose mothers will let them hear the D word used liberally in movies um, <laughs> and other such words. Uh, Lots of poop, visual poop jokes, and that kind of thing. Lots of manure. Lots of manure. But um, it's a good series. It's definitely sacred. Uh, and I would consider the Back to the Future movies a must-watch for anybody from our time period and even for the new generation. All right, that's pretty good, Pete. Uh, I'll go next. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, this is uh, pretty much a formality at this point. Uh, I, I think while one is clearly the sort of strongest overall movie. I mean, you can show somebody Back to the Future 1 and they don't have to see the other ones at all if you don't want to. That's your incorrect choice. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, the other two have a lot of value. My only caveat, I think, for all of this is if if you don't have any context um, with some of the things, there's a, there, there is some instances of, you know, violence uh, against as women and, and things like that. And... Um, Clearly, it, it's portrayed in a way that is not good. Uh, maybe that's something to consider. And the fact that they basically make uh, Marty's character change from one into two and three with the whole, like, yellow belly chicken baloney thing that kind of just is tacked on to make the movies longer and give Marty a character flaw when he's kind of the only one who's got his shit together in the first movie. Yeah, those those things aside... Um, you know, they all they all wrap up in a nice way. And I think, um, you know, they, they have a lot of social commentary that does put the bad things that happen uh, in perspective and, 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 you know, correctly say that they are bad. So that's my take. Josh, how about you? Well, I, I'm definitely uh, I wasn't here for the, the first, uh, you know, the episode for Back to the Future one because I was too busy banging your your mom, uh, collective listener. <laughs> but uh, I would, you know, have to post humusly uh, hummus humus. I, I would definitely say let's that, go cut with hummus. That. Yeah, I definitely say that part one is sacred, and therefore, you know, all three are. I think, you know, of course, there's some special effects stuff that you're gonna want to kind of, you know take as it is because it was the time period that it was and you know you, they could only do so much but uh besides that you know the all three films look really great they have a great visual style uh, and they're very consistent throughout also they're just really really fun movies anytime you want to just you know burn a, an entire day during a weekend when you don't have shit going on man just throw in these movies and have a blast absolutely sacred says i all right very good we're going to go ahead and close out the show then. All right, and that concludes our review of Back to the Future 3 as well as the entire Back to the Future trilogy. And uh, I want to say what a fun ride this has been. Josh, again, thank you for coming on the show. It's been pretty awesome having you. Sorry we didn't have you for part one. Oh, no problem. It was a blast being here. No, we loved having you. And, uh, yeah, we'd like to have you again sometime. Hey, yeah, I'm, I'm available anytime. How's next week? Oh, God. No, just kidding. Why don't you sit uh, awkwardly while we uh, go through the normal shenanigans where we tell people how to find us? If I'm sitting, it's awkwardly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. True to form. So uh, we want to hear from you on your uh, feedback. We want to get your iTunes reviews, especially to help people find our podcast uh, because, you know, we're a movie podcast like 7,000 other movie podcasts. And if you really love us, you want people to find us instead of listening to something that's um, garbage. The 6,999 shitty movie podcasts. Oh, that's big words. Throwdown. <laughs> Time to get crushed by the Giants. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yes, leave, please leave us an iTunes review. A five-star review is great. Um, if you want to bash us in the reviews, that's great. Show us love with the back of your hand. But, <laughs> but um, we also love to hear from you um, in our email. Uh, as you know, next week we'll probably – or sorry, not, two weeks from now will be a feedback episode uh, in which we'll sort of talk about the things you wanted to talk about. So, hey, if we missed anything – um, from the Back to the Future trilogy that you want us to comment on or do some research on or just talk about, great, let us know. Uh, Feel free to give us the um, actually treatment. Oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure we made some mistakes. I don't doubt it. You can find us to talk to via email with sacredcows at heroofthewebcom Use that for your long-form conversations. Again, that's sacredcows at heroofthewebcom You can also get in touch with us on Twitter. That's at Sacred Cows Pod. And uh, I can be found on Twitter at White Morph. Uh, Pete still can be found uh, not on Twitter, but. I'd probably just use it to call you a butthead anyway. I <laughs> <laughs> get that. <laughs> we, we, we'll make sure he gets that, uh, whatever you want to tell him. And uh, of course, uh, Josh, where can we find you? Mm, oh god uh well where can't we uh, find you <laughs> yeah exactly well if you want to check me out on twitter you can find me at it's probably josh and my show cthulhu and friends is on twitter at caf podcast uh you can find us on geeklyinc.com where we are a fine network of lovely geeky podcasts well that sounded terrible but i'm gonna go with it anyway uh, and uh, we have a bunch of shows, and I'm not going to list them this time. Just go to the website. Check it out. There are a bunch of us. Hey, you guys. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It has been a super, super blast. If you guys ever want me again, hey, I am always available. That sounded very suggestive. Thank you. But we'll take uh, That's it. what I was going for. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, again, everybody, we'll see you in two weeks for the feedback episode. So get your feedback in, and we'll also be telling you what movie we're watching next time and of course if you like to guess we'll start the usual guessing game a couple of days before the episode releases on our twitter so follow us on there and and figure it out so with that bye everybody signing off Mer.